Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Susan Phillip, who serves as the Deputy Director for Healthcare Delivery Systems at California Department of Healthcare Services, also known as California's DHCS. In today's episode, we learn how Susan migrated from India to New York, where her mom found a job as a nurse, and how at a young age, Susan made an impact on children's lives in the policy world by working under the mayor of New York. She then made her way out to California many years later and has now worked her way into California's DHCS, where she's been appointed by Governor Newsom to really make an impact on managed Medi-Cal. In today's episode, we focus on the procurement for managed Medi-Cal and how in 2024, there will be some shifts with which health plans are managing Medi-Cal patients in California and some of the goals and accountability levels that have been raised moving forward in 2024. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at pophealthpodcast.com, checking us out on our YouTube channel, or listening to us wherever you listen to your shows. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy today's episode. Good morning, Susan. Thanks for joining the show today. Good morning, Gavin. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So folks, I had the opportunity to uh, meet Susan for the first time, even though I'd seen her virtually uh, present at meetings before at the State of Reform Conference in Northern California in the Sacramento area, uh, just about a month and a half ago now. And um, it was great to connect with you, Susan, and really appreciate your willingness uh, to talk a little bit more about what you shared at the State of Reform Conference in Northern California. But before we get there and talk about talking about the procurement uh, for 2024 and managed care plans, we'd like to get to know you a little bit. So maybe share with us something outside preferably of the healthcare world or policy world about yourself uh, that might surprise us. Sure, uh, I don't know if it's um, terribly surprising, but you know, a little bit about myself. Um, so I am an immigrant. I was born in India, came to New York when I was five years old and um, my entire uh, history of why even in the US is really, I owe to the healthcare delivery system. My mom came as a nurse. Uh, my dad came shortly thereafter. My older brother and I followed, uh, came to New York in the, in the uh, late seventies. And um, yeah, so really uh, the healthcare system is what brought us here to the US. So, and I, uh, interesting story, just when I was young, as my mom being a nurse, I remember when she worked in a nursing home, uh, she would take me uh, to, as a kid to go and say hello to the residents, you know, and there are many elderly residents that maybe had, hadn't seen a child in a long time. And, you know, as a kid, you don't quite ex uh, appreciate those experiences. But looking back, I really appreciate that was such a sweet way of cheering up folks that might not have seen a, a child in a long time. And it was also, you know, exposure to the healthcare delivery system in a very real way at a very young age. That is awesome. So your mom moved over here by herself initially. Uh, to yes, right. so how was that for you as a child, knowing your mom's in another country? Like, were you excited knowing you were going to join her or were you sad? Like, what were those emotions like? Oh, yeah. So both my mom came first, then my dad followed. And then we were, uh, my older brother and I were with an uncle and uh, aunt and family there in Mumbai. 
Um, so I think we're a little young to realize all that was going on, but, you know, really, really excited when we came to the U.S. for the first time. I have very vivid memories of stepping off the airplane at JFK on the tarmac and being very excited. Um, but yes, it was really just a lot of uh, excitement taking it all in um, as, as a child. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think as first generation uh, Indian immigrants, you know, I think we uh, it definitely shaped my um, view of how the healthcare delivery system worked or didn't work. Right. Um, and yeah. just the challenges of navigating a system generally, you know, coming in as an immigrant, you have to navigate the system. And then in the healthcare system, obviously, there's another whole another range of complexity. So just really got an appreciation for that firsthand. I bet. So did you grow up in New York then? I did. I grew up in New York um, and uh, just um, spent some, uh, moved out to California in 2000. So really spent most of my childhood and, and young adult years in New York. Um, and, you know, I thought it was um, interesting. My first exposure to policy as a uh, as a world was when I did an internship when I was in college in New York City, I had the opportunity to do a summer internship with the Mayor's Office for Children and Families uh, under Mayor David Dinkins. Um, so now I'm definitely dating myself. Um, and uh, it, that office was primarily focused on working on issues related to domestic and intimate partner violence and child abuse. So it was a very interesting time to work in New York City. And at that time, I was shadowing a policy analyst who had um, uncovered that it was taking a very long time to have child abuse cases being investigated. So when a child presented in the emergency department and when that child's case was investigated, there was quite a lag. And so she did some root cause analysis and figured out that the hospital system was contacting Albany versus contacting the local system. And when she um, did that root cause analysis, brought the key players in the hospital system together, and then basically had them change their policies and procedures and their protocols, um, it changed the way the hospitals, you know, dealt with these cases and really reduced the time for when a child's case was investigated. So to me, that was one of the first times I got to experience um, how policy can make a real world impact in a very real way. Um, so it was a, so just wanted to share that a little bit because that was definitely one of the um, experiences that shaped my view and even exposed me to what policy is, you know. Yeah, what a, and what a tough, you know, topic, right? Um, to deal with when it comes to you know, child abuse and to see the, see solutions and an impact is great. And so that obviously, I mean, creates hope in the, uh, uh, for the rest of us that things can can be good. And at a young age, you could be like, wow, this really does make an impact, as you mentioned. So you mentioned you came over to California, um, you know, so you had some time in New York. What was the inspiration to come over to California? Um, well, you know, after college, I um, went to grad school at Georgetown, did a master's in public policy there. So I was living in D.C., working in D.C., working on Medicare payment policy at the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission as a policy analyst. And it was a great, great position, great exposure to how policy is 
established at the federal level. Um, and MedPAC is a congressional commission that advises Congress and the secretary on policies related to Medicare payment um, and access. And so it was great experience, but I also felt, hmm, I really need to get out of the uh, ivory tower, if you will, okay. <laughs> and get some real world experience and get out there. And uh, I remember just being very envious of practitioners people who are doing the work on the ground. And, and I thought, I need some of that. I need some of that experience. So uh, I also wanted to leave the Beltway. And I thought, let me uh, think about where I want to be next. And California was the first place that came to mind. So moved out in the early 2000s and uh, had a opportunity to work in a variety of roles, um, including at the uh, University of California, and um, working with various employers, so on the private side. And then um, most recently, before I came to the Department of Healthcare Services, I spent about 10 years in the consulting world, working with a variety of public sector clients. Awesome, so a lot of variety. And then ultimately, how did you decide or, or get pulled into the Department of Healthcare Services? Yeah, so you know, yeah, I did love the variety and the challenges of consulting. Um, and uh, but I really wanted to work more directly in California. I did work with a variety of other states, but I was very interested in working directly within California and really interested in um, the Medicaid transformation efforts that the Department of Healthcare Services was undertaking. You know, just seeing um, uh, the the waiver submissions uh, for CalAIM um, that was very intriguing to me. Um, so there was many aspects of what the department was trying to take. I just really wanted to be part of that. Um, so I uh, was appointed by the governor's deputy director for healthcare delivery systems in um, a little over two years ago. So um, back in 2001. Yeah, and that's an exciting time. So let's talk, uh, let's talk about what's happening now in the world of Medi-Cal or managed Medi-Cal. So um, at the State of Reform conference, um, you spoke on the procurement um, that's basically uh, shaping managed Medi-Cal here in California. So uh, for our audience, most of those folks uh, that are listening or watching probably weren't at the conference. And so I want to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about the procurement process um, that will ultimately uh, go live here in 2024? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um... Before I do that, though, I did want to share, um, I mentioned this acronym earlier, CalAIM, yeah. and that stands for California Advancing and Innovating Medi-Cal. Uh, I think it's just really important context because really the procurement is one of the efforts and, and our contracts with our managed care plans is, is one of the efforts by which we are implementing and realizing the vision of CalAIM. So CalAIM is our really our long-term commitment to transform uh, Medi-Cal. Um, really, it's our way of ensuring that Californians have more equitable, coordinated, and person-centered approach to the healthcare that they receive. Um, you know, and I like to talk about it as really transforming Medi-Cal from this traditional notion uh, that's really focused on uh, the healthcare provider, right? We always think of the doctors and the clinicians being kind of at the center of healthcare um, as in terms of providers. Um, 
but it's really transforming that to include an, a, a wide array of partners um, within the healthcare delivery system. So including community-based organizations, social services partners. And the whole idea is, of course, the member is at the center and to provide that whole person care approach for our members. Um, and in previous years, the department had uh, undertaken pilots that we ran under previous waivers. Waivers are our contracts, the contracts with the federal, our federal partners. And so basically uh, under those pilots, we found that um, uh, really taking a certain approach in terms of providing that whole person care approach to address social drivers of health um, was really successful. So we wanted to take that from pilots to really scaling it statewide. So that's really what CalAIM is. It's really a multifaceted and a multi-year effort. So um, our contracts with our managed care plans is really our uh, fundamental way, as I mentioned, on how we can deliver uh, care to our Medi-Cal members. Um, and the contract really includes a lot of new provisions related to advancing health equity, quality, access, and really building in accountability and transparency in the healthcare delivery system. So Susan, can you tell us a little bit about the entire process from start to finish, including a timeline of how this all happened? Sure. So really the process kicked off in, um, in, in 2020 when DHCS said, you know, we're going to be doing a competitive process to procure commercial uh, plan partners to serve as Medi-Cal managed care plans. Uh, can, I ask a, can I ask a clarifying question uh, sure. for the audience? Uh, commercial plan, what does that mean? Right, so our, um, uh, the Medi-Cal managed care uh, plans have different um, model types. So there are uh, different model types um, throughout the state. So this is a little complicated because I would say California is different yeah. <laughs> than other states. So, and you know, we are 58 different counties and we have, the counties really have a lot of autonomy in terms of how they decide what, how they want their Medi-Cal programs to run within their counties. Um, so it, currently we have seven different model types in the state and we in 2024 we're moving to four different model types and those include uh, regional models county organized single plan models two plan model and what we call a, a geographic managed care model so those are the four model types that exist uh, throughout california uh, right. when we talk about commercial plans those are plans that are um, that you would know, such as Anthem, uh, Blue Shield, Centene, or HealthNet, um, and those are ones that are considered um, mostly for-profit for entities that are um, that provide services in California. Then we also have what we call local initiatives, and those are plans that have been established in California for quite some time that really fall into the county organized health system and single plan model types, as well as the regional models. So um, the local initiatives, it sounds like what it is, they're basically uh, uh, entities that have been established by the county. So through their 
through the uh, health authority, for example, at the county level, the board of supervisors come together and say, we are going to, we want to have direct um, involvement in how our Medi-Cal managed care plans are run. We want a much more hands-on approach. And those um, county organized health systems and local initiatives are uh, a certain plan model type. Great, thank you. Thanks, sorry for the tangent there. It's oh no, it's a, it's a question I had when I first started working in California. So <laughs> it's a good yeah, question. So, yeah, so it started in 2020 and then I cut you off with the, with the question of let's continue on the timeline. Right, so, uh, so at that point, after the department said, you know, we're going to be doing this um, competitive process, we're going to be procuring uh, plans, um, uh, a number of counties raise their hand and say, hey, you know, we want to consider changing our county plan model type. So as I mentioned before, we have seven different plan model types. Well, a number of counties, 17 counties in particular, raised their hand and said, hey, we want to change our county plan model type. We want to be a county organized health system or a single plan model. So that way they had much more, as I mentioned, direct control over their managed care plans. So that process started in 2021, where the counties had to go through a very involved detailed process where they had to pass um, ordinances at the county level. The Board of Supervisors obviously had to come together to agree that this is how they wanted their Medi-Cal programs to run. We, as a department, reviewed those processes. We also looked at uh, uh, their ability and initial readiness um, to go through the process because obviously you have to be, you have to have the infrastructure to serve Medi-Cal members. So there's a robust readiness process. So those 17 counties and their plans started what we call the readiness process back in 2021. And in 2022 is when we started then the procurement process for the commercial plans. And at the end of 2022 is when we um, completed the procurement process, took a look at all the bidders, and then we landed on an agreement with five different commercial plans uh, to serve Medi-Cal members in about 21 counties. So that was a final result. So you had the changes in the 17 counties for uh, plan model types, and then we had the commercial managed care plans serving Medi-Cal members in 21 counties. Um, and then I do also want to say the department also um, determined that we would have a direct contract with Kaiser Permanente, Kaiser Foundation Health Plan. And uh, the idea here is, um, you know, as many folks know, Kaiser has a kind of a brick and mortar uh, setup, right? Have their hospitals, have their um, have their um, medical centers, and they uh, they did not participate directly in the procurement process. But we, as a department, as California, want to make sure that our Medi-Cal members have access to Kaiser. So we entered into a direct contract with Kaiser to ensure that um, all Medi-Cal members that currently have Kaiser can maintain Kaiser come 2024. And, um, and also ensure that we have a direct contract with Kaiser. Previously, Kaiser was a subcontractor to other health plans. So that's also, I would say, unique in California, where we have plan-to-plan -plan contracts. 
Um, so you have a, we as a department have a direct contract with a Medi-Cal managed care plan, and that Medi-Cal managed care plan might subcontract to another plan. Um, so in this case, we said, well, we're going to directly contract then with Kaiser rather than there being a subcontracting relationship that also gives us much more direct control and accountability and oversight into, into the plans. Got it. Well, thanks for the, the high level overview. I know it's much more complex once you get in the weeds um, and it's probably a tense process with people competing against each other and, and all of that. So um, yeah, well done giving the high level overview. The contract that the plans have is it pretty much the same across the board or does it vary like by county, for example? Uh, it is the same across the board. So that is um, actually a big change from prior. Um, if you look at previous years, we had different plan uh, contracts depending on the plan model types that I mentioned before. So if you were a coast plan, you had a different set of contract requirements. If you are a commercial plan, you have a different set of contracts. So there were different contract provisions. We really moved to one model contract for all our plans. Okay. So that was a, a substantial shift. Okay, great. Are there any major changes uh, that you can touch on? Like has any plan um, like left is leaving after 2023? Is anybody coming in from outside the state? Um, or is it uh, current players that are mostly still involved? It is um, current players that are still involved. So we have uh, existing plans um, that are uh, staying in California. We do have some exiting plans. Um, and essentially, I would say that there's a fewer number of plans um, by county. So for example, uh, I mentioned the uh, geographic managed care model um, in those counties in Sacramento and San Diego. In those counties, um, we have one with five plans, there's other seven plans. So it's a lot of plans in one county. Yeah. So that number has been reduced. Um, so we've had fewer plans in, in some counties. And as I mentioned, um, there were some counties that decided to move to a county organized health system or move to a single plan model type. So those counties also have fewer plans operating in those counties. So there is a shift. Um, uh, so in general, I would say that um, more than half of our counties are going to experience some change in the uh, type of plans that are offered in the county. So that does represent changes for our Medi-Cal members, right? So there is going to be folks that will have to change plans. Um, so for example, for a, uh, we have one plan in um, San Diego that is exiting Aetna. So all of those members that are currently Aetna's members will be selecting a different uh, plan within San Diego. So we have an entire process by which members are notified, where they get to select who they want to go with come 2024. Um, and we have an entire process to ensure, A, that members get choice and who uh, they, they select for those plans um, that remain in 2024, and that there's um, that they're notified well in advance and have the opportunity to make informed choices. That's great. And I know there'll be, um, again, we won't get in the weeds, but um, I know when it comes to like authorizations and things like that, that the goal is to continue into 2024 as much as possible. 
Um, so again, we won't get in the weeds, but I have seen uh, my day job is working with health plans and I have seen the efforts that are being made. Um, and there's a lot of information, which I think can be hard to remember, like, where do I grab or where do I find this information? I think our audience um, is very interested in this topic. Is there a place or like a chart or something that the audience uh, can find where, you know, what 2023 looks like plans by counties and what 2024 looks like plans by counties? Um, something. Yes. Sure, we'd be happy to um, share a link that maybe you could share with your audience, but we have a, a very handy chart that shows exactly that by county, um, the plans that currently exist in 2023 and the plans that will be there in 2024. So it's a, a nice way of just looking at your county and seeing which plans will be there in 2024. Awesome. And audience, I'll make sure to post this link. Um, if you don't see it on the episode, uh, feel free to contact us and we'll get you that link um, when this episode does come out uh, in late July. So um, sounds like, you know, you made this sound relatively easy, but I know it wasn't. I'm curious from your lens, um, you know, were you guys having to work overtime throughout this past year to, to get everything together? Or did you have a pretty good plan where you know, I'm sure there's some kinks along the way and some hard conversations, but did it kind of go as expected or was it a, a lot of work? Oh, it's, you know, always a lot of work. Okay. <laughs> and even even um, uh, even as well as we can try to plan, sometimes plans don't go exactly as you plan, right? So, um, but I will say that uh, the whole process, our, um, the readiness process is a key undertaking that's happening right now. Um, so as I mentioned, we have these new contracts with our managed care plans, right? We moved from several different model contracts, to one um, contract that will exist in 2024. We also, um, that is a time that we decided to add robust new provisions into that contract. And that really does have real world implications for our Medi-Cal managed care members. Um, you know, I did also, um, should have said this at the beginning, but one point I did want to make, you know, our Medi-Cal managed care program um, has a lot of members, right? If you think of Medi-Cal generally in scale, we have about 15, uh, a million, 15 million beneficiaries in Medi-Cal now, so one in three Californians. And uh, come 2020, 20, come 2024, 99% of Medi-Cal beneficiaries will be in the managed care plan. So this is a very big program. Our plan partners are really instrumental in ensuring that our members get the care they need um, and do it in a way that is, again, driving the goals of CalAIM, where we are providing that whole person care approach. So uh, I did just want to touch on um, some of the provisions that we put in that 2024 contract that will, again, have some real world implications for our Medi-Cal members. So one, one point is really about quality. Um, we have provided, we have included new provisions that really strengthen the expectations for managed care plans to deliver on quality. So um, for example, uh, for a population health management approach, really ensuring that uh, plans are taking a systematic view and systematic approach to how the population health management programs are run, ensuring there's a culture of continued quality improvement that really focuses on primary care, um, ensuring that physical and behavioral health 
can be um, integrated, um, really looking at their coordination and continuity of care across settings and at all levels of care. So there's been a, a lot of work um, to ensure that those provisions are really strengthened and made clear to our managed care plans in terms of expectations for quality. Um, and then there's also more requirements in terms of the uh, potential implications for what happens if you don't meet those benchmarks, right? So, you know, we want to make sure that if folks don't meet quality improvement benchmarks, that they will be held accountable. So there's provisions in the contract that really add some teeth, I would say, to um, these new provisions that we've added. Awesome. Well, I have heard that across um, my world over the last year about more accountability, um, more, you know, reporting, things like that. So um, I think that's great. That's great for Californians. Um, it's a lot of work for the health plans to do, but I think um, I think they'll make it work. So Susan, you've been a wealth of information. Uh, this has been super helpful. Um, again, folks, we'll uh, provide that link. So Susan, um, if, you, if I can ask a favor, if you can get that to me when you can, uh, that would be great. Uh, email is fine, or, or if uh, Tony uh, wants to send it over, that's great too. Um, and then Susan, if, sorry, did, uh, did I cut you off? Oh, no, I was just saying I can drop that in the chat now. Okay, sounds good. Um, Tony just popped on from DHCS, and uh, you're going to be on YouTube there, Tony, just a heads up because you turned on your camera. So nice to see you. <laughs> uh, Tony, if you can help us out with that, that would be great. Um, He'll uh, he'll send that over to us guys, and we'll put it in uh, put it on the show for YouTubers. And then I'll um, I won't be able to verbally uh, say it since uh, we'll be editing this after we record. But folks, again, reach out to me um, or info at popofpodcast.com, and we can get you that link as well. So, um, Susan, if folks want to keep up the tabs on um, what's happening with DHCS, um, is there uh, should we just go to the website? Do you, are you guys pretty active on LinkedIn? Uh, Tony, you can chime in as well uh, here. How can folks uh, stay up to tabs? And what's happening? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, um, our website, dhcs.ca.gov. And then uh, we have, um, you know, our social media accounts that you can link to uh, at the top of the website. Um, you know, usually um, we'll have messaging on, you know, the, the big issues of the day or news we want to get out to either our members or providers. Um, but yeah, I think those would be the two main areas. And we also have... Um, you know, for the, the stakeholders uh, who are listening, we have a stakeholder listserv and we send out emails with uh, valuable DACS program information and or updates. So if you'd like to sign up for that, you can also log on to our website and check that out. Yeah, that's a great resource, Tony. Um, I get a lot of the emails. I've signed up for a lot of the listservs and it's been super helpful. Um, so uh, folks, if you do hear me, I actually do have um, the link. I'm going to send you guys to DHCS ca.gov slash cal aim and then on there there's multiple links and pages i don't want to read the whole thing but part of it can also get you to the managed care plan um, rfp link you'll see that there but again that's dhcs.ca.gov forward slash cal aim which will then get you um to uh, some other links which will include that uh managed care plan and rfp link that can get you some more info um, as tony mentioned um uh, the socials uh, they're active as well so uh, thanks for popping in, Tony, and helping clarify uh, that information. And Susan, I really appreciate you joining the show today. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. 
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.